either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Lions and breadsticks and orphans. Oh my, we got a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> we got a little bit of everything this week, and we'll explain. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com, checking out all the releases this week in theaters and for home streaming as well. And let's start in the theaters with a father and his two teenage daughters finding themselves hunted by a massive rogue lion intent on proving that the Savannah has but one apex predator. This is called Beast. We're in his territory now. It's the law of the jungle. It's the only law that matters. Dad, they've got guns. You shouldn't be out here. What are you doing? Stop! Stop! I've got to get my girls out of here. I need you to trust me right now. I'm coming back. Don't move, okay? Pretty easy to sum up this movie, Idris Alba fighting a lion. That's right. If if that is what you want to see, then that is what you get. You'll get it. If that's, I mean, <laughs> you, if you hear that and don't think, yes, please, yeah. well, then this is not the movie for you, but for the rest of us, yes. Yes. And it is from director Baltazar, i got to pronounce his name right, it's Baltazar Cormacour. I stumbled over that. But he's done some effective movies. I mean, he did the English language films. Include Two Guns, Contraband, as both with Mark Wahlberg. Solid thrillers. Effective. Yeah, not he's, great. He's an Icelandic filmmaker, and the, the films that he does in his native language, often he writes, and they are a little better. They're a little twistier. The but Oath still, one. Yeah, The Oath I enjoyed very much. But they are still thrillers. That's yeah. really his area, and this is an action thriller. Yep. It's really more of an action film. And, you know, it borrows liberally from some obvious ones. Jaws, as does essentially every apex predator horror film, and... Cujo, Cujo, obviously, mm-hmm. where a parent and child are stuck in a car with a, you know, a vicious animal on the outside. But it does a lot within those sort of confines. Idris Elba is a doctor, recently widowed, who is taking his two teenage daughters who he's kind of fallen out with. They've come, mm-hmm. be, they've all, in their grief, have become a bit estranged. So they go to South Africa to visit the village where his late wife w- grew up, her their childhood late mother, home. uh-huh. And they hang out with the friend who had introduced the married couple, uh, and his it's played by Charlotte Copley, and he is kind of the main overseer of this massive animal reserve where loads and loads of lions live. Mm-hmm. And a loads and loads of poachers bother the lions. Yes. And the poachers have pissed off this one lion, and he's going to take it out on all people. So what you're saying is this time it's personal. Yes. So it goes from Jaws to Jaws 4 <laughs> really quickly. I'm not sure how many people Skipping are going to get Skipping Jaws 3D, that. which That's is right. probably a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're nerds. Here's the thing, though. As you were saying today uh, on TV, one of the reasons that this works pretty well is because it's a mixture of live action uh, lion and CGI, and the CGI is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that in a, a mixture of, of films, um, even just recently with Prey. Yeah. I thought those were okay, but I saw some people complaining. You know, it, these look pretty good. Now, when it comes down to the attacks, I think they've got a, 
the lion attacks, there's a pretty a lot of people are going to be reminded of the bear scene in Revenant. Now that's a pretty high bar. That's a high bar. Don't hold them to that. That's a high bar. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, it's it, it's effective. There are there. I mean, there are a number of lion attacks. There are a bunch mm-hmm. of lion attacks, and there are some that are that are really really. Well, let's face it. There should be. Yes, there because should that, be. I mean, that's right. the point. That's why you're here. But the you know the one that it leads to toward the end. Idris Elba gets really chewed up. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. But he also kicks a line in the face a bunch of times, as do, I would like to say, I much, I very much appreciate it. The two teenage daughters have their own agency. The one of them you want to smack because maybe just listen to me once in a while, but then again, mm-hmm. what teenage Teenagers, girl, right. right. But I mean, both of them, they're not treated like um, idiots. They they really are both very savvy, and, and both of them get some heroic moments of their own, which I very much appreciated. Yeah, so it's it's pretty simple. You've got the, you can just tell, like we said, tell from not even watching the trailer, really just look at the poster. Right. And it's called Beast, okay? He's fighting the, the lion, and he's got his family to not only protect, but there's some some bonding that has to be done there. Yep. So you get that, that going on. And uh, I think we said it a lot with uh, Top Gun Maverick about understanding the assignment and completing the assignment. Exactly. And that's that's pretty much what goes on here. And he is, Corkamer, is a, a very capable action thriller director. Yeah. And as you mentioned he, about his writing, now he didn't write these. Uh, so it just falls upon his skills as a as a, a maker of thrillers, and yeah, he he can handle that stuff. Indeed, and uh, it's pretty easy to tell if that's up your alley, and if it is, I think it'll satisfy. And that is in theaters now, called Beast. Next up is a horror movie. After orchestrating a brilliant escape from an Estonian psychiatric facility, Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. This is Orphan First Kill. We found your daughter. She's alive. Welcome home, Esther. We left it just as it was. It's lovely to be back. I miss my family very much. I think something's going on with Esther. Is there anything you want to tell me about your time away? Esther's behavior has been so erratic. Hello, Mommy. Thank you, Mommy. I know. Some inconsistencies. What are you getting at? To me, it felt like a performance. If you're not Esther, who are you? Boy, this turned out to be just a lot of fun. More fun than I really expected. And it's interesting if you go all the way back to it was 2009, right? The original Mm -hmm. orphan movie. And so we're not getting a, a sequel here. We're getting a prequel, which is sort of more interesting when you when you consider the fact that, all right, so you're going back in time in the story from a girl and an actress who back then was like nine years old. Right. And now you're using the same actress and she's still playing about the, the same age of the character, and now, but now she's 25. There are two things about this that really confuse me. One is, is exactly what you're saying, is that the, the lead... Isabel Is it, Furman, mm-hmm. she was a little girl yeah. playing, and so now uh, she's not. She's a full-blown grown-up, and yeah. she's playing someone a bit younger, which there, is nutty. And by the way, while we're talking about Isabel Furman, I have noticed popping up on cable right now, HBO, is a movie she did, I think, last year called The Novice. So good. It really slipped through the cracks. See that, too. Yeah. It's not a horror Not a horror movie, film, no. man, it's so good, and she's so good. And she's very good in this, too, and they're lucky that she's a 25-year-old playing a young girl that 
She's only five foot three. Yeah. So she's small anyway, and they use some some um, in, some clever camera angles and camera tricks to make her look even shorter than that. And I think they have admitted to doing some digital de aging of her face to make her look you know younger than twenty five. But the point is, as as you have said in talking about this, going back to the original movie, that movie hinged on a twist. Right. That if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. We're not going to spoil it if you didn't. But it hinged on a twist that you didn't get till the end. This one hinges on a twist you get about almost an hour of the way through, maybe, maybe a little less. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most fun twists I've seen, especially in a horror movie, in a long, long time. It reframes the entire movie, and from then on, I thought it was just a hoot. I had a good time with it. I totally agree with you. And and that was the other thing, my, like my other reservation about this is like, well, we already know the twist. What is the point in revisiting Esther's story. Well, they come up with a really excellent reason to do it, and yeah. I, I and it was so fun. It was fun, and it and it's one of those things where the twist makes the first half of the movie movie make sense in a different way yeah. that I thought was really impressive. And it's not it's not like it's a masterpiece. It is, and no. neither was the original. Right, but they're both very fine horror films. And it also finds a way to deal with a criticism that a lot of people had from the first one, like, oh, how did this young girl get from Estonia to America? Okay. Yep. It goes back and tells you how, but but that's not even the main point. Like we said, once it hits that twist, you're like, oh man, and that's when it it leans into the ridiculousness. It leans into the camp. It, I mean, it, it's I think it, after that, it's so self aware. It yeah. just says, all right, you want to see batshit crazy? Yeah. Here we go. Oh yeah. And we got to mention Julia Stiles because Julia Stiles plays the mother of this family that she ingratiate yourself into with the lie by saying that she's the she is the missing daughter of of their family and Julia Stiles is the mom and I'm not a particularly big fan of Julia Stiles but she was really good in this movie. Yeah, she was really She good. dug into that part. Yeah, she did. It, and and I think she had fun with it. She seemed yes. like she had fun with it. It was a fun movie. It is a fun movie and its director especially when you consider the director is William Brent Bell and looking back at his work so far not a lot of awful. Re- yeah. His movies are terrible. I was trying to be diplomatic. The boy, Brahms, the boy too. I mean, his movies are terrible. And and he has other bad horror films also. I'm not really sure how this one turned out as good as it did, to be honest with you. I didn't know he had it in him. Good for you. Well, and the screenplay, we got to credit the writers here because what they came up with of yeah. how to treat this was all just really, really inventive and clever. David Cogsall, screenplay, and also um, story credits, Alex Mace and David Leslie Johnson- McColdrick. So yeah, whoever came up with that twist, well done. Uh, I just and I you're not going to see it coming. If you see this coming, if you say later you see it coming, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it really turned everything and I think it, they really got the right tone after that yeah, and absolutely. just embraced it. Yeah. Embraced what they were and went with it. And that is in theaters as well as Peacock Plus, both. Pe- oh, Peacock or Paramount? Which one oh, is it? I think it's you're Paramount right. Paramount. Plus. I get, I know. They're easy to confuse. Yeah. I think it's Paramount Plus. Yes, it is. You're and correct. theaters, but a lot of fun with Orphan First Kill. All right, how about a rom-com this weekend? A woman wins an all-expenses trip to a company's gorgeous institute outside of Florence, and also the chance to meet the restaurant chain's wealthy and charismatic owner. She finds a different adventure than the one she imagined in Spin Me Round. Tuscan Growth has a program where they take all the top managers to Italy. Amber, pack your bags. What? You're going to Italy. Welcome, everyone. I would like to introduce our CEO, Nick Martucci. Ciao, amici. 
What roles do love and affection play in your life? Where is this going? I'm really happy you're here, Amber. You seem so open-minded. Why does everyone keep telling me that? Listen, I think something weird might be going on. This program sucks! Lighten up a little bit, please. Yep, it's called Spin Me Round. Like a record, baby. Yeah, actually, the title is sort of perplexing to me. Yeah, I don't me really know, but okay, fine. Uh, this is co-written and starring Allison Brie, who's just very likable. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a rom-com for the first maybe half of it. And then, n- not as big of a twist as Orphan First Kill, but it goes in a different direction. Definitely. As she's working for this uh, chain called Tuscan Grove. And it's an olive garden is what it is. Yeah. Never-ending breadsticks and salads. And she gets chosen for this uh, the exemplary managers program. So she goes over to Italy to the Tuscan Grove Institute with some other winning managers from around the country, and they're going to learn some things and cook some things. And oh, but the suave and handsome CEO is there too, Nick Martucci, played by Alessandro Nivola. And right away, there's some attraction there between uh, Allison Bree's character and uh, and the CEO. And she thinks, oh, is her is her best friend's prediction back home of that she would find love on this trip is that going to come true and so you're thinking okay i know where this is going this is going down that same rom-com road oh no 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 indeed because then the ceo's assistant played by aubrey plaza who's perfectly condescending as she does so well she's so good in this arranges a private date between the ceo and allison and then all of a sudden though there's there's this attraction this uh, flirtation Possibly romance turns into the threat of kidnapping, and there's wild boars running loose, and there's suspicion and shady characters, and it's it's a totally different thing. So, it's fun. It is fun. It 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 really is fun, and it's entertaining. It's just sort of like, what is the point here? I guess, but it's still entertaining. And the other the co-writer, along with Allison Brie, and the director is Jeff Baina, who also happens to be Aubrey Plaza's husband, and they did. I think this group. Is their buddies and they work together. They did the hours yep. a few years ago. The which, little hours. The little hours. I'm sorry. The little hours, which we really liked. Yep. A really offbeat movie um, that also starred Dave Franco, who's mm-hmm. now married to uh, Allison Brie, uh, and he's not in this. But I digress. <laughs> I think I, what I'm saying is I think there's a lot of people here that are very comfortable working with mm-hmm. each other, and uh, and you can tell that because also in the ensemble, it, it, when, once she gets over to Italy, the cast of characters, these other winning managers and some of the other people that work there, just an oddball bunch. Molly Shannon, Mo- oddest of the balls. Oh, Molly I Shannon. love Molly Shannon. I <laughs> love her so, so much. She's one of the other winning managers and her luggage has been lost and it turns out inside that luggage is some meds <laughs> that she needs. <laughs> and yeah, those are the things that make this this movie so entertaining. A character like that, Molly Shannon, nutty. Tim Heidecker, yeah. he shows up as a guy who thinks he's maybe a little too good for this institute. He's a great chef, and, and he's funny. And so there are some funny lines, amusing lines. It's never uproarious, you know, or mm-hmm. LOL, but it is cle- it's, it's, it's fun and charming. And it's just you just keep looking at it, going, "Wow, oh, this, is this what we're doing now?" Right. But and I'm, in, in the end, what they're doing is just poking holes at the absolute idiocy and really misogyny of romantic comedies, yeah. and how the foundation of you know ninety eight percent of all romantic comedies is really wrong, just 
profoundly wrong. And so this one is just like, yeah, what made me think that's what I wanted? I didn't want that. And I couldn't help thinking, too, they were taking some shots at uh, Americanized comfort food, you know, like, <laughs> oh, this is authentic Italian at the Olive Garden. But that, but that's maybe a little more in the background from what yeah, you're saying, yeah. because I do agree. The one thing I found curious is Aubrey Plaza's character just disappears. She does disappear. I kept thinking she was going to come back, and then she's just kind of gone. And, yeah. but, but she's and she's always she's always fun. But it, it is it's a it's a light entree it is. that doesn't make. Let's continue this this metaphor of speaking. It doesn't make you feel overstuffed, but it's got a pleasing <laughs> aftertaste. Let's say that, <laughs> and keep those breadsticks coming. And that is uh, in theaters called Spin Me Round. Boy, here's a weird one next on Shudder. After a breakup, Wes ends up at a remote rest stop. He finds himself locked inside a bathroom with a mysterious figure speaking from an adjacent stall. Soon, Wes realizes he is involved in a situation more terrible than he could imagine. This is called Glorious. So you're a guy living in a rest stop bathroom in a stall that's glory hole adjacent. I am he. I am that god. The universe has a favor to ask. I'm not doing it. I don't care how many people are safe. Your feelings tear you up inside, pure and raw. That's what I need from you. What did you do, Wes? Makes me wish I'd driven the extra 40 miles to the next rest stop. That wouldn't have helped. Why? Is there a troll living in that one? Speaking of glorious, the voice from that other stall is J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. How did they get him? Just a voice, and he is embodying an ancient god named Gat. G-H-A-T is the short. He has some longer name, but we're not even going to try. And it turns out he's in this stall behind a glory hole. Uh, hence the name Glorious, mm-hmm. which points for that. Uh, and the, the star, pretty much the only other cast member almost, is Ryan Quanton of True Blood. True Blood. So it has all the markings of a pandemic production. We've seen plenty of those for obvious reasons. It's a very isolated location, limited cast, limited budget. Um, but it goes in some interesting places. Really I think does. one of the main things here is how much you enjoy this movie is to the affinity that you have for Lovecraftian horror, because that's what the J.K. Simmons monster really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think that it is, um, it it tests the limits, really, of its pretty limited scope, but it's it's really clever. It is. It is clever, and it has a a good pace. It never never bogs down. Uh, The director is Rebecca McKendry, writers Joshua Hall, David Ian McKendry, and Todd... Rigney. So, yeah, you've got Wes, who's he's smarting from a breakup, and there are flashbacks to his girlfriend, and he's pining. Uh, but he's he he plays the part as sort of a notch or two on the smartass level below Ryan Reynolds, but it's sort of in that ballpark of a character. But he goes back and forth, and he's often, most of the time, he's pantsless in this really, <laughs> really just nasty, dirty, like, train spotting nasty bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and ugh. then, and then as things progress, it gets dirtier. It does. <laughs> um, blood is spilled. Let's put it that way. But he goes back and forth between wallowing in his heartbreak and then trying to bargain with this monster for basically the future of humanity. Right. Because Gat wants him to do a certain thing. Yep. We won't tell you why. We won't tell you what. I mean, your mind might start thinking something, and, you know, you may or may be right. But anyway, um, it is, you're interested in how it turns out and what they're trying to say here. And 
And I think even if you figure out what is going to be the ultimate uh, destiny of of Wes, it still won't spoil it because no. the wordplay is fun. Very. Uh, J.K. Simmons is priceless just as a voice as a voice talent, and, and it keeps you engaged. It's not very long. I should say that both neither of us are big Lovecraft fans. No. Uh, if you are, you're going to enjoy this even more. But even so, I think we were entertained by oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, no question yeah, about it. Definitely were. And and so it's it's worth checking out. If you have Shudder, it's it's another good one. And it's called Glorious. And another horror film next. And if you're a horror fan, this title will sound familiar. During the bright Nordic summer, a group of children reveal their dark and mysterious powers when the adults aren't looking. In this original and gripping supernatural thriller, playtime takes a dangerous turn, The Innocence. Yes, you're saying the innocence. Well, no, it's not a it's not a remake of that classic movie. But this is a new one from Oscar winner Eskel Vogt, and he did win the Oscar just this past year for writing the great script for the worst person in the world. Uh, but he also directs this one. He does. He wrote and directed this one, and it is a horror film. So it's not. Uh, it's well, I don't know exactly how you how you define the worst person in the world, but well, it's, it's not, not a like that. Film. No, no, it's not like that. <laughs> and this one is fascinating because in a way it is a kind of a superhero origin story although you'd never really think that it's really um it's about you know what kids do when they go and play on their own essentially mm-hmm. it's very creepy it's really beautiful this uh this pair of sisters and their family have moved to this big tower block and the building itself looms in the background as the woods loom all around this playground where these kids play all the time and little by little, a handful of the children in this neighborhood realize that they've got some uh, powers. And the more they hang out together, the more they can sort of establish what those powers are. And there's a lot of just sort of the um, brutality, the just casual brutality of childhood, where yeah. you you just test things, boundaries, without a lot of moral fabric to, to decide whether or not this is worth throwing a temper tantrum over and what the repercussions of your temper tantrums might be. It's fascinating. It's riveting. In a way, it reminded me of, remember when the kids are first entertaining and discovering their powers in Chronicle? Exactly. Of course, they got them from something else, mm-hmm. and they weren't, they were teenagers. Right. This is a little different, and it takes on a, a whole new framing in the fact that they're playing and yeah, discovering what they can do. And it's another case where it seems like we say this all the time, where are they finding these super talented little kids? Oh my God, they're so good. They're so good. And and they're so good that even the the ones who turn out to be not very nice at all, your heart just breaks for them. Mm-hmm. But especially the one who turns out to be very, very nice. Mm-hmm. You're like, please don't let anything happen to her. Please don't let anything happen to her. I mean, it really, the movie just has you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and there's something that can be... You know, kids can be creepy. They can be cute, but they yeah. can be creepy. Oh, yeah. And then the conversation comes in, well, how much of this is instinctual? How much of this is, are they... They learning from their environment, and do they realize that playtime can turn can turn horrific? So yeah, yeah there's a lots of lots of good here, lots of to uh, to discuss and just appreciate when uh, it's so well written and so well performed yeah. and well directed. And this was is on Shutter as well. It is, man, Shutter. I know. Come on, if you don't rocking ha- it, yeah, don't have it. Get on that Shutter. Uh, and this is called The Innocence. Recommend it.
Bit of a horror mystery next from a filmmaker that we like. This is a woman and her brother seeking revenge against a mysterious stalker. It's called When I Consume You. You want to fight our stalker. You say you want to become like me. I'm not sure you actually want that, but I love you, and we will try. Good. This is from writer-director Perry Blackshear, and he did They Look Like People. How many years ago was that? It's been a few. Yeah, probably six or seven but years But it was ago. a lot. It was low budget, but man, we really, really like that one. Look oh, it yeah. up. Look, it, Look up. it up. Watch it. And it has one of the tensest climaxes you yes. will ever see. It's one of those where I kept... I kept going back and forth in my mind while watching. Oh, yes, he's going to do it. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yeah. Oh, yes, he is. And it is, they, he just keeps you hanging he really does. on and on and on. But that was, um, they look like people. This is called When I Consume You. So, And it's a lot of the same cast. He he tends to work with the same people, and uh, and you can see why. They're mm-hmm. remarkable. And in this case, um, it's a there's a brother and sister, and they are dealing with some trauma in their past, although it's never entirely clear what that is, what happened to them that makes that makes it so hard for them to really function properly in society. Yeah, Libby Ewing and the sister and Evan Dumashal plays the brother. Something bad happens, and the brother, Wilson, starts trying to sleuth it out, figure out what happened, and he comes across this third character who may be a friend, may not be a friend. And the whole thing, the larger picture, it is a look at how grief and childhood trauma can forever affect your life. That's mm-hmm. really the metaphor that is at play here. There's not a lot of structure. I think that it can be the film can become quite frustrating for that reason. There's a lot of atmosphere. Then there's a lot of interesting callbacks uh, to things that happened earlier in the film, and they sort of re- echo throughout, mm-hmm. which I think is the same that they're trying to say about how your childhood trauma echoes throughout your life. Sure. The, I think the lack of real structure can be frustrating, but the performances are wonderful and the atmosphere is tender and dreadful at the same time. I'm not sure it's going to land with everybody, but it's another solid effort from a, a director that will watch whatever he does. Yeah, for sure. And if you like this one, uh, by all means, go back and check out when. And if you like When I Consume You, by all means, go back and check out They Look Like People. But uh, that is on VOD now, When I Consume You. Next up is a film you might find under two different titles. Lost in the most remote part of Eastern Europe, Sam is a foreigner searching for his biological father when a minor road accident leads to a chance meeting with a pig farmer's daughter who captures him, making him a slave on the farm. This is called Squeal, or you might find it as Samuel's Travels. I'm not your pig. Please, do it. My father will punish you. Believe me, I don't want it to happen. What you're looking for might be right in front of you. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us. Loved it. It's kind of a fractured fairy tale type of a horror film, which I, I do love that type of horror film. And and I think it's maybe a little bit of a stretch to call it horror. It's um it's dark, but it's a dark fantasy mm-hmm. and and really really enjoyable, unique and fun, a little bit lynchian maybe <laughs> even. 
and uh, and it's Latvian. Yeah. So, I know. So that's interesting. I don't know how many Latvian films we get a chance to see. I went to high school with a girl whose family was from Latvia. I wonder if they've ever made any films. I no. don't know. This Probably is from not. writer, co-writer and director Ike Karapishian, and I'm sure I butchered that, and I apologize. But if you've seen a horror movie that re- we really liked from a few years ago called Revenge, you will recognize Kevin Jansons. He plays Samuel, mm-hmm. and he's the one who gets chained up. He does, yeah, because he hits her pig. Mm, don't do it. Uh, but, yeah, read Rachel's full review. She gave it four stars, yep. so this is one to check out her full review at madwolf.com. And Squeal, or Samuel's Travels, is out now on VOD. Next up, new in theaters, the story of a man embarking on a journey of violence and redemption to find out the truth about his sister's death. This is called Delia's Gone. Delia took her secrets to the grave. I'm going to move out. But you live here with me. I'm really sorry, Louis. You don't know the whole truth. How she died. You tell me what you know. We need to have a chat about your visit with Louis. You brought up Delia? What'd you say? The truth. What's the truth? I know you're tangled up in all this. See this here line? It's straight to hell for you. Drop the gun, Lewis. Another great one. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us. Another four-star review. Yes, yes. And this stars Stephen James, who... We love. We got to meet him mm-hmm. back years ago. He he played the lead in the movie about Jesse Owens called Race. Race. And they had the premiere here in Columbus over at Ohio State because Jesse Owens, of course, went to Ohio State. And we came through. he came through the red carpet line. We got to speak with him and everything. It was great. And then, of course, he was the the star of If Bill, if Street, Bill Street Could, could Talk. talk. So, so he's uh, a just talent. a remarkable talent. Yeah, and this is a different kind of role. And, boy, he is so good. And he's surrounded by others, some, some other familiar faces like Marissa Tomei and Paul Walter Hauser. And it's just a, a great ensemble and a very... A very gripping, dramatic story. Yes, exactly. I think that's exactly right. Not exactly what you expect it to be. And some actors who elevate the material because, you know, Marissa Tomei has one of those roles that could easily have been flat and one-dimensional, but because she is so talented, it absolutely is not. But I think it's his performance is really the reason to see it. Yeah, for sure. And this is writer and director Robert Boudreaux. And uh, the full review by Brandon Thomas is up at madwolf.com. But another really good one, another big recommendation. This one out in theaters uh, called Delia's Gone. And one more, a historical thriller out on VOD this weekend. A lonely bushwoman struggles to raise her children and run the family farm while her husband is away. The legend of Molly Johnson. Too many whites, too many guns now. This land needs a law. You dare look a white man in the eye, Jackie? Fight for my children, fight for my life, I will. Whilst hunting savages, please do not turn into one. My children need me. They need their mother. This is another one you might find under a different name because it was originally called The Drover's Wife. Right. And I think maybe for American release, people thought we won't know what a drover is. I don't. Uh, It's defined as one who drives cattle or sheep. Either way, Tori Haynes reviewed this movie for us, and she also was very impressed by it. This one got three and a half stars. It's a bit of a slow build. So if you can stick out the beginning where it takes its time getting to where it's going, where it goes is very gripping, 
troubling and worth the effort. Yeah, and it's writer-director Leah Purcell. She's also the star mm-hmm. as Molly Johnson. And it, it tackles some of those themes we've seen in a few Australian films. Nightingale, about, for yeah, example. Nightingale and even the... Um, you know, the the real story of the Kelly Gang. Right. That one, too. About the complex history of Australians and the Aborigines. Right. And some of the violence and the colonialism involved there. Um, so it, it definitely is one to check out, though. And you can uh, read the full review by Tori Haynes. But she liked it. She did. Um, at MadWolf.com. And it's available on Prime and uh, other VOD outlets called The Legend of Molly Johnson. All right, let's get caught up on the latest news and head to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Time for our weekly check back into the lobby with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, getting us updated on all the studio news. What's shaking? Well, first things first, um, Top Gun Maverick will hit VOD uh, this coming Tuesday, August 23rd. Does anybody haven't seen it yet? (laughs) That's a very good question. And not only that, has anyone encountered anyone who didn't like it? I haven't. No, I I don't think I have Haven't come across anyone who didn't like it. Neither have I. That's pretty rare. Yeah, they've given that movie a wide theatrical berth. I mean, it's still still playing in all the theaters. Oh, yeah. I think last weekend it was still number three at the box office, yeah. wasn't it? Because it was a pretty quiet weekend. But yeah, it hits VOD on Tuesday next week, and then it's not hitting Blu-ray until November. So they're just stretching that out and milking it for all they got. Oh, yeah. And then Jurassic World Dominion will start streaming on Peacock on September 2nd, and that'll be both a theatrical and an extended cut of the movie that is apparently 14 minutes longer. So <laughs> if you want more dino action, I'm sure there's some more in there. <laughs> Uh, next up, I've got VOD release dates for a pair of Bruce Willis uh, geezer teasers. The first up on September 2nd is Wire Room, which co-stars Kevin Dillon. And then on October 21st, there's Detective Night Rogue, which comes from... I know you've been keeping up with a lot of these, George, yep. for better or worse, but uh, Detective Night's from the director of Gasoline Alley, so maybe it might be a little bit Yeah, which bit was better than one the of others. the better ones, yeah. And in looking at his uh, IMDb page, he's still got, I think, three or four more. It looks like they're holding it. The last one is going to be the one with uh, John Travolta. That's what it's looking like. Yeah. Although, um, Detective Knight wasn't on IMDb until like two weeks ago. Hmm. So <laughs> who knows how many other um, yeah. unknown movies he finished that yeah. we don't know about. Very true. Very true. Uh, there is a Pete Davidson and Kaylee Cuoco romantic comedy called Meet Cute, premiering on Peacock on September 21st. And then Peter Farrelly's comedic biopic, The Greatest Beer Run Ever, is premiering on Apple TV Plus on September 30th. Have you seen the trailer for that? I haven't seen the trailer, but I read about it. It was based on a true story Yeah, of a real uh, beer run. Pretty wild. <laughs> set in 1967, and a man here in America decides to travel to Vietnam during the war to hand-deliver beer to a bunch of his drafted friends. Wow. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Alcohol was involved. Yes. And then May director Lucky McKee's latest horror movie, Old Man, which stars um, Stephen Lang, hits VOD and limited theatrical on October 14th. Yes, please. All right. Right. And now here's one that I know you've been waiting years for, Hope. (laughs) On... No, why are you laughing? <laughs> on November 15th, hitting Blu-ray and VOD, courtesy of Universal, is a direct-to-video sequel, R.I.P.D. 2, Rise of the Damned. Wow. Yeah. I wow. cannot believe that's getting a sequel. 
David Russell's new ensemble drama, Amsterdam, has uh, moved up its limited theatrical run by a month. Uh, instead of dropping on November 4th, that will come out on October 7th now. I'm guessing they're going to stagger that out and then maybe hit wide release by November 4th, mm. if, I had to, if I had to guess. That seems like the kind of thing that they do with a movie like that. Mm-hmm. And then Netflix is premiering Enola Holmes 2 on November 4th, which has Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill back as Enola and Sherlock Holmes, respectively. Yeah. And then speaking of sequel announcements, finally, uh, Lionsgate has set an October 2023 release for another Saw film. Finally. Wow, yeah. We've been (laughs) just (laughs) holding our breath since that last one, Spiral, was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It was bad. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them since the fourth one. That was enough to make me tap out, although I've been told that a couple of them since have been pretty good, and like Saw 6 being one of them, and the director of Saw 6 is doing the new one, so maybe. I don't even remember Saw 6. (laughs) I just remember Spiral. It was awful. (laughs) That's all I got for you this week. All right. Well, thank you much. You can always catch up with uh, Daniel for the latest on socials. It's at the Schlocketeer. Have a good weekend. Hey, you too. Looking ahead to next week, well, we've got two weeks in a row of Idris Elba. He's out with uh, Tilda Swinton. I know it! That's got our attention in a movie called 3,000 Years of Longing out next week. There's a new vampire thriller called The Invitation. Yeah, I've been seeing the uh, trailers for that. Also, Stallone is back as Samaritan. Then there's Me Time. Breaking. Funny Pages. Into the Deep. An Anonymous Club. All right, that's next week. Maybe some more might pop up. You never know. Uh, but until then, what do you think about the ones this week? we got to talk about that twist in Orphan First Kill. Come on. <laughs> Don't tell me you saw it coming because you didn't. <laughs> also, uh, that's like when I tell people that I, I guessed uh, early on about uh, Bruce Willis and the Sixth Sense. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I, I, I did. Anyway. Sure. <laughs> or Beast or Spin Me Round or Glorious, whatever. Let's talk about it and we keep the conversation going. I uh, love to do that. You can find us easily on Twitter, uh, Mad Wolf. That's M A D D W O L F. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's all right there at madwolf.com. So we'd love to hear from you whichever way. You'd like to keep in touch. And uh, until next week, have a great one. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>